0: so yeah he's he's giving me a filthy look and I think it's because he knows what I'm thinking about
1: I don't know I yeah I I can't I can't get him I can't read him I mean every time every time Riker walks by he seems to look upset but
0: yeah well the thing is I'm pretty certain he knows what I'm thinking about but I we watched that that movie the other night Under the Rainbow so I've just been thinking about you know little people fucking each other yeah but I don't want him to think that's what I'm into.
1: If anything, I've actually been thinking less rude things about little people than I usually do.
0: Podcasts. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes to seek out new jokes and new references to split infinitives that no one has split before Slog Stardate sixty seven. Close. These are the continued voyages of this podcast. I'm Eddie. That's Mark. I uh, <laughs> pointed there. This isn't. A, this isn't a visual medium. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. How, how you been, Mark? What you, what you I'm today? good.
1: Uh, I don't know if we told you this. We we were down in London. We were there only there very briefly. We were there. We were there for a, for a wedding. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. You you you're English, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, for my sins. Where are you from? I can't. I can't tell. Uh, I am originally So this is the thing. I'm, I'm
0: literally. I was born like two train stations outside the M25. Right. So like, I'm I'm, I'm ba- basically London. Right. Uh, <laughs> I've never asked
1: you that before. We've been friends, and I consider you genuinely one of my best friends. And uh, I've never bothered to find that out, so apologies. Yeah, to. I'm
0: from the town Brentwood. The uh, same place is the only way as Essex, which is why I, I
1: don't live there. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you, well, you, well, you're, you're sort of a Londoner, right? So you, so you're sort of one of them, one of these South England people. Um, have you ever? Uh, so you, here, here's my advice, right? For for if if you if you're a person from London or from South England. Um, if you meet someone with a British, with a different British accent, because of again, my accent is technically a British accent, right? It 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 it, it it's there. Um, make sure that when you first meet them and you talk to them, if you have heard them speak, for example, doing a best man speech or something, make sure to pepper in somewhere that you struggled with the accent, right? Because we fucking we love to hear that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Make sure it comes comes just after you tell me what your name is or whatever, or how you know the groom, and then just pepper in a, oh, I, I didn't quite catch what you were saying, but it, but it sounded great. Um, get one of them in. That's what we love for. I imagine for.
0: you particularly also get regularly within the first couple of lines of conversation somebody having to bring up the fact that train spotting had subtitles in America. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And then what I like to do is, if someone does that to me, I'm just like, did you notice that in train spotting, at one point when he's in uh, London, he's carrying a 7-Eleven bag, despite the fact that 7-Eleven has never actually existed? Uh, Maybe outside of the United States, but it's never existed Uh, in the UK, as far as I'm aware. And usually at that point, that's when they'll be like, no, I don't want to keep talking to this guy. (laughs) Uh,
0: 7-Eleven did exist
1: in the UK. There was one in Shenfield, um, when I was a kid growing up, which is the town next to Brentwood. All right, so um, so yeah. Mark Renton went all the way there to uh, <laughs> to pick up whatever he was eating when they were in London doing a, a scam or a robbery or something. I can't really remember the end of Transport.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know how long Seven Eleven was over here for, but I remember it was. I remember it. It's it, 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 it occupies the same mental space for me as Al price. Yeah. Uh it's like it was around then. Like, Woolworths hung on for too long. Um, Woolworths is a shop that should have died when the 80s ended. But Al Price and 7-Eleven are, like, in those... If you wanted to do an episode of Black Mirror, like,
1: set in the 80s, those
0: are the things you'd need to put in the high street for me to go, oh, yeah, that's the 80s.
1: If you were doing a a movie (laughs) set in the 80s in Glasgow, uh, you would have to have a shop called um, What Everyone Wants, which was a kind of almost, like, cash-and-carry type situation. But you have to have... But because it sells things... That you can use around the house and in the kitchen and shit. Uh, you have to have everyone call it "what every woman wants" um, as like a preemptive. You can't say anything these days. Complaint <laughs> about a shop that, as far as I am aware, was always called "what everyone wants." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like it's like how they change the. Uh, to boldly go where no man has gone before, they changed it to where no one. That's it's that, but for a but for a cash and carry. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't even make sense for it to be no
0: man has gone before because like, Uhura was, was right there. <laughs> like in shot. Like <laughs> in the establishing shot is always Kirk's in his chair. And then Uhura's over there. Uh Uhura met Kirk this week, if you're watching Strange New Worlds. Um As and Dead
1: Yes, yeah. And, yeah. and
0: they bonded over, over Kirk's brother being annoyed. Which is had... it's good for now. But he's going to be dead soon.
1: Is he? Does uh, he die? I think so. Yeah, because I guess he's not on Kirk's Enterprise. No. Because we've been talking about that quite a lot. Or <laughs> well, but... maybe
0: he just leaves because he refuses to take orders from his fucking <laughs> smug brother. Because <laughs> to be fair, I, I do quite like the fact that in Strangely Words they are addressing
1: that being Kirk's brother must be... Like hell. Yeah. And I like the implication that because Kirk's dad was like a really big deal in what I assume was ops in Starfleet, uh, Kirk's brother Sam's choice of Xeno Xenoanthropology, which yeah. I was talking to Laura during the episode. I was like, If there if I was a Star Trek man, that's what I would do. I, I think I yeah. imagine that would be super interesting, but he's doing that mainly because he his dad thinks it's boring. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah,
0: so what what's new and exciting in Zeno you know, anthropology? Afrop- and he's like, li- literally, literally
1: everything. Yeah, all the time. That's <laughs> how anthropology <laughs> operates. Yeah, it's about the past, but it's about new things we discover about the past, isn't it? Um, yeah. I really like that. I love oh, well. this. This, this, the the part where Kirk and Spock met, and it was super, super understated, and it just came at the end of an episode. Like, I, Laura, I think Laura turned around to me. Uh, with with a look, and I had the biggest smile on my face. Like, what an important, what what a, what a, what a weird choice, what an awesome choice to have such like the one defining moment of Star Trek, and it happens just a, a, as a afterthought at the end of a very good episode. That one handshake is one of the most important
0: historical events for the entire universe, and not like I don't mean like from a fictional point of view. Those two being friends. Stops the universe from ending, on like outright, on like twenty occasions. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: those two being friends has real world ramifications for our own space exploration.
0: Yeah, the the first ever space shuttle was called Enterprise because those two are mates with each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because I was talking, because we were discussing, because Laura's very. um She's 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 very well read. She's very into theater. We we are both pretty into like um, kind of literature, theory and stuff. Um, and And I was talking about are they still considered literary characters? Like, just because they're on screen, they were still written. And Kirk and Spock, arguably going forward, will be some of mankind's most important literary characters in in Mankind's canon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, Spock is definitely a literary character because, as we know, one of his ancestors is Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which, if you get too bogged down in canon, becomes
1: fucking baffling.
0: (laughs) I imagine that was a
1: thing his mum told him. His sexy, sexy (laughs) boss.
0: Why is it or why does Spark's Mum have to always be sexy? Because like, she's 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 sexy in Strange New Worlds, but in the like in the Kelvin timeline, she's Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's no slouch. There's a great um if you haven't ever seen it, there's a great um clip that went viral a while ago and it's of um Winona Ryder giving an interview to promote um uh, Stranger Things. And the actor who plays Hopper is um, is next to her as she's doing it, and she's talking about um, not. She's talking about being an awkward teenager in the eighties. <laughs> she's got this look on his face. like, yeah, you you were literally Winona Ryder in the eighties. <laughs> one yeah. of the most attractive women, like Pete, you you were a poster people had on their wall. Right, <laughs> Johnny Depp
1: had to get a tattoo of your name covered up. <laughs> you you done it. <laughs> I know, that's, that's you know we're not inside her head, but you know if you're going to be anyone, if you if you roll a <laughs> dice and you end up Winona Ryder Rider, that's I'd say that's 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 yeah. pretty good. Every every couple of years, people will be like, "Oh, we've rediscovered Winona Rider."
0: Yeah, and, and out yeah, people our age would be like, "Never forgot about Winona Rider, no, not for a not second a,
1: It's I've... like it's like that one where they say uh, people are reappraising the mummy as if they haven't been watching it every six weeks since 1999. <laughs> Yeah,
0: Winona Ryder is great for me. She's always been an age-appropriate crush. Yeah. So I've like I fancied her since Beetlejuice, which is a bit uncomfortable if I go back and watch it now. Um, but, but but she's yeah this she's she's always been gorgeous, and now I look at her and go, yeah, I still would.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, every yeah, time.
0: It's like how Ashton. If I, it's like how Ashton Kutcher married Demi Moore. And he's like yeah, and he was just you know he's just high-fiving his teenage self back through the years. <laughs>
1: And then he married Mila Kunis so that he could high-five everyone else. <laughs> she's a massive Trek fan. Did you know that? Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I found out about that recently. She's 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 quite nerdy in quite a lot of ways because there's been some times where she's being interviewed alongside another celebrity, and they bring up that she's, like, a massive fan of something, and she has to be all like, oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, this episode of Star Trek, not Strange New Worlds nope. (TNG), um, Tin Man.
1: Yeah, It's, it's an
0: alright episode.
1: I, I would describe this episode as the the way I would describe this episode is basically uh, the the WGA has nothing to worry about uh, because this <laughs> this felt like a Star Trek episode written by an AI
0: this is if you okay th- this is an episode that I this is gonna this be weird. I think this is the platonic ideal of what a Star Trek episode is what I, and by that what by that what I mean is there are very great highs in Star Trek your measures of a man's your um, the second episode of this season of strange new worlds like there are and ep- goes, and there is some absolute dross your racist episodes. Um, we're going to uncover so much problematic shit when we watch the original series. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were just going to go, I want a, a, an episode that is like the like is is the exact median of a Star Trek episode. It's it's this.
1: Yeah, I feel like if someone hadn't seen Star Trek and wanted to know what Star Trek was about, if I showed them this one, they would they would never watch it again.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's not an episode that you could show someone to go. If you showed somebody this episode, it wouldn't make them a Star Trek fan, but it would be the fairest representation of what Star Trek on average is. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's too much going on, nothing really gets developed, and there's 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 not enough Anson Mountain. And it
0: and, and one actor turns up who you definitely recognise more for another role. Yeah. Um because after <laughs> we did talk about him last week, the fucking mayor showed up. Sorry, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> he turned up do you know I looked up his IMDB, right? Okay. Buffy is the third on his like a little known for? and I'm like, no, nope. I'm oh, sorry, nope. you were easy, you were one of the biggest villains for an entire season arc, one of the best season arcs. And then you turned into a giant snake, the entire school had to unite and fight you. They wrote it, had the build up that had like Buffy got a special award because a graduating class had the lowest fatality rate,
1: yeah, <laughs> for, yeah, for, ten, for a decade. He tried ago. to strangle Buffy in the hospital, which was a really yeah. interesting bit. Yeah, um, uh, he turned faith evil. If you if you take if you take the anti-hero element away, so your faiths, your angels, and your spikes, he is arguably the second most iconic villain in a show that if you looked up the word iconic in the dictionary, it would t- <laughs> tell you the definition of the word iconic, uh, which is what that show is. That's a that's a joke from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> <You're> Stole from <laughs> Shane Black.
0: Who do you who do you put above the mayor as iconic for the uh, uh, Buffy? Oh, the Master, the, master? the Master's okay. Yeah,
1: sure. I, right. I,
0: I think the, I think the Master gets an oversized. He's because he's not. He's, he's he's in that first series, which is only twelve episodes. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back a few times in like you know from the dead and like for, uh, timelines. But
1: yeah. see, Buffy uh, Buffy in terms of quality for me exists on uh, a bell curve. Like, yes, where seasons three <laughs> and four are the perfect seasons, because they're the ones that stick most to what I think Joss Whedon, maybe he forever lay in the bin, uh, <laughs> was trying to get at. Like, they, like the like yeah. the idea like cuz the the original gag of course for buffy is why does the blonde always get killed first why can't the blonde be the one doing the killing um, yeah so the the cheerleader
0: gets lured down an alley by the monster and gets killed whereas in buffy um what happens is you hear horrific screaming and if they're lucky the monster gets away but usually they don't yeah exactly <laughs> and and the the, the the
1: the the secondary gag on top of that is how can she live a normal life while being the Slayer um I feel like the the, the season one of obviously it's the pilot season so it, it's it's finding its feet and then season two kind of gets it and then seasons three and four are where that really comes into effect like yes she can be in high school and still do this because high school really at the end of the day not that hard um and it's more social pressures but then she gets into college and realizes oh if she wants to keep doing this the rest of her life is going to be incredibly difficult and then five six and seven i uh, literally only can work if your roommate is your best
0: friend who is fully aware of what you're doing yeah. and could cover your back yeah. consistently repeatedly
1: exactly a <laughs> lot of admin yeah. in those seasons which i quite enjoy yeah
0: but that's the st- but that's the stuff i like yeah me too uh, I had a mate who summed up um, uh, summed it up once, a great point about, uh, he was talking about heroes. And he went, oh, what I like about it is a show where people aren't afraid to get their powers out for the lads. Yeah. Uh, and it's that thing of like, it's, it's in, um, I think the second X-Men movie when Iceman like chills the beer for Wolverine. Mm. And it's like, that's what I want. It's just like, the, I have superpowers, which let me fight evil. But also they radically improve my <laughs> everyday life yeah. in a lot of small ways. Like I can't imagine Iceman's ever had a hangover.
1: Yeah. Because
0: you yeah. just go, oh, if I could turn my head into a
1: literal block of ice, that's probably gonna relieve the pressure. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I'm I'm very much a um if you if you want me to because uh, I love fantastical settings and, and world building and uh, and and kind of admin and all that stuff, but if, but if you if you want me to relate to that, if you want me to engage with this, those people have to have real, real life problems. They have to feel like real people. That's why as, as you well know, that's why Spider-Man is popular. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. sp- <laughs> sp- Spider-Man is... I, I, I don't know if this fact still is the case, but for, for a long, 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 long time, Spider-Man merchandise was more popular than literally all other superhero stuff combined.
0: <laughs> because yeah. children
1: are like, oh... This guy's a superhero, but also he has issues because you know what kids love is problems. <laughs> well, I love that I saw that. So, there's a, a recent thing
0: that so there's a recent comic book where Wolverine fights Venom and Venom uh, tries to show off that he he's regularly like beat Spider Man up. and Wolverine's like, Spider Man's like 12. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why are you impressed? That guy's, that guy's a loser. <laughs> like, and Wolverine proceeds to. Basically kick fuck out of him. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh yeah, right, so 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 strap in, here's the here's the plot. Um so the, the Enterprise there's a there's a ship and they think the ship might be organic. They yeah, can't like the Lex or uh Moira from Farscape. Yeah. They can't communicate with the ship in any way. So they have to bring on a Betazoid who is the first ever male Betazoid we ever see. Yep. Apparently. Ta- Tam O'Bran. And his... He's, he's got a sort of Betazoid sort of disability, almost, where his empath powers switched on at birth rather than at adolescence. So he constantly hears everyone's thoughts all the time. Um, and that would have been an interesting... Uh, plot for a show, but that's it's not even the B plot, that's just part of the A plot. So they bring him in because he's going to communicate with the ship but oh no, they have to get to the ship fast because the Romulans also want it for some reason that's never explained.
0: Yeah, and also it's worth noting that the, the, the guy, Tam Elbrant, is famous infamous a bit because he was in role in the Garoshta disaster, which killed 47 people, including two of Riker's friends. Yeah. And that was written in to the episode because the writers needed to have a surefire way to make sure that Riker wasn't constantly thinking about sex while the telepath was (laughs) on. But yeah, Riker's just furious and this guy is arguing with his faults. And
1: this this guy's pretty happy to meet Data because obviously Data doesn't have readable thoughts.
0: Yeah, that was nice to have that confirmed. Yeah um so yeah yeah so like data and, he, and he's like oh he, he says he says to troy i find data like what is it i find him relaxing yeah. and and troy basically says you're literally the only person who thinks that <laughs> she uh she doesn't use the words everybody else thinks he's a bit much but that's clearly what she means. yeah <laughs> But yeah, they, they, they've they got to go find the ship and it's near a star that's going to blow up as well. Oh yeah, that's right. So there's time limits and time limits and time limits. Um, and it, it becomes, um, uh, it's basically, it's there because it's crew. So it's crew got killed by a radiation blast at some point. Yeah. And also it's been alone for millennia. So it doesn't know, it might be the last of its kind or it might just be from somewhere real fucking far away. And it has decided that it's going to be by the star that's going to explode because it wants to die. Yep. And then it, it's a standard Star Trek thing. The guy who can't be around people finds his place on board the ship, which may or may not blow up at the end of the episode, or they just leave.
1: <laughs> who it's, knows?
0: It's something that happens a lot in Star Trek. Uh, it happened in v, with yep. Um, It's, yeah, it's a fairly common science fiction it's this it's just a list of science fiction tropes psychic man doesn't like being around people has gone insane previously because of the noise of everything likes to be on his own um person seeking their place in the universe finds a fucking weird thing in space and they yeah it's yeah uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's that
1: it's it, there's one really 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 impressive visual effect though
0: Right, which one? When
1: the chair, the, the sort of stop motion Phil okay. Tippett looking chair, emerges from the <laughs> from the skin of the Tin Man. Oh, and people keep talking about I, I Tin Man. I hope you were not
0: going to say anything involving the fucking ship, um, it blasting things away and it knocking other ships around because all of the, the the CGI in in Next Gen is surprisingly good and it has been. These are the ones on Netflix, so they've been restored. But that doesn't change the fact that the design of these effects looks fucking silly.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, the the blast, because at one point when the Romulans get too close, this thing just unleashes a blast of radiation that wipes them out. That yeah. effect is from the motion picture. Oh, is it? You know? oh, okay. And they just re-jigged right. it. Oh, right. I read. Um,
0: are you, were you going to mention them calling him by the wrong name, even when they know its real name?
1: Oh yeah, 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 Dead name in it. Yeah, 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 Big time, yeah. Cuz who, <laughs> yeah, who who decides
0: the... that it's called Ten Man? They just that's like a name. It's not even a name that makes sense. It's just um it's Because it doesn't have a heart. It's been found by a long-distance probe and the Enterprise needs to go there cuz they want to go there the fastest and the Romulans claim this sector belongs to them. But as Worf says, he goes,
1: the, the Romulans claim everything belongs to them. <laughs> I was once... Um, I once played the Tin Man in a, an, a, a, an amateur youth dramatics production of The Wizard of Oz, uh, a performance that was described as possibly miscast. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old were you at
0: that point that you were getting such scathing uh, I'd say I
1: was about 13. <laughs> uh. Okay. No. Yeah, that's fair. But they put. But yeah, the whole,
0: you wouldn't, if you're like seven. Yeah. then that'd be like. Don't say that. To the, the, the whole kid. problem.
1: The whole <laughs> problem with it was is that the ten man doesn't really get a character. He's just. He's he doesn't have a heart, but he's sad. So he had a heart the whole time, or something. Well, yeah, they all had their things the whole time. I did suggest. I I did, I, I remember saying to the director, a thirteen year old, and I was talking to the director, who was who was a woman in her sort of mid sixties, saying, "Should I play this like Bender from Futurama?". And that might have been where the comment uh, came from. (laughs) I did say that actually, that is true, I didn't make that up. She went, no. Just play it like how Mark would play The Tin Man. Not a great director. (laughs) She didn't even say go watch the film and play it like that. No, I don't Uh, think I did watch the film. I think I was, I I think. Play it overly vaudevillian. I think I was like, I don't want it to, I don't want it to pepper my performance. I, I I want my own interpretation of this to be, to be pure. Not great. Right. Not very good. Did not, um, did not get the, did not get the same amount of applause as the, as the lion and the tin man, uh, as the lion and the scarecrow, needless to say. Uh, when it came wrongs. to the. There's more
0: to them. Yeah. The cowardly lion, you get a chance to overreact. You get a. You get, if you're a physical comedian, then you know the the the, the scarecrow the role for you. Tin man, there's not a lot. Walks there.
1: about as tin.
0: Yeah. Once you get past oil can, I can't really like when people are quoting the Wizard of Oz, they rarely quote the Tin Man. Uh Yeah. <laughs> it's always while away the flowers or. um Lords of tigers at bedtime, I Those, those are you two. You could
1: probably still do the song from memory, yeah. Um, and uh, and the guy and the only thing they know about the tin man is that the guy who played the tin man got quite seriously ill from the lead based paint that they'd used to paint himself up.
0: <laughs> oh
1: man! If you don't,
0: if you, if you, if you don't, if you're not aware of the hilarious series of disasters that is the making of the Wizard of Oz, dear God, I am. Um, I um, was in LA uh, for... um, Emma was there for some uh, work and I was there um, just tagging along. And we were around the corner from the Culver Hotel and I got a little um, video of me outside it and I was super excited to be there because if if you're listening to this you're unaware of the Culver Hotel, the Culver Hotel is the hotel that they put all of the little people from The Wizard of Oz up in. And because um, at that time... um, there had not been. Uh, there wasn't an internet. There wasn't like a convention thing. These little people. A lot of them. It was their first time being around a bunch of other little people. Um, and what that meant is it essentially turned into a drug fueled orgy. Uh, <laughs> um, there is. A, there has been a movie made about this, um, where it's like it's a comedy about the man whose job was to <laughs> wrangle the midgets. <laughs> Um, and it, I, I've not seen it, but it was made in the nineties, so I doubt it was tastefully handled. But, who who but, was
1: in it? Jim Carrey. Uh, um, I've,
0: I've got, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a strange feeling. It's James Marston, uh... James,
1: the Cyclops. <laughs> was not yeah. he about twelve? I,
0: I, I, I don't know. He's been around. Well, I guess, guess. Think
1: X Men two thousand. He would have been in his late twenties. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and I mean, um, you're, you're not getting a 45 year old man to go and wrangle the little people. Can't, can't keep thing, up, I'm
0: up now, them. I'm now, I'm now googling James Marsden dwarf movie because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you would Google it because I, I can't right, find anyway. <laughs> but yeah, a movie does exist about that, and I think that is somewhat more fascinating than the story of the Wizard of Oz. If we uh, <laughs> see if
1: we find out what that movie was called. It, it, you'll have heard about it in the cold open. <laughs> if there was if there was something in the cold open that made you go What does that what does that mean? That's there you go 45 30, 27 minutes into the podcast you, you've you've we've explained it. Right, yeah. Um but
0: yeah, so I don't know why we got onto that. Anyway, <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah. Um O'Brien watch. O'Brien turns up almost straight away. So there's that. That's good. Classic. Uh, yeah. Any, um, oh, and also, no,
1: no Tasha Yar in this episode.
0: No, I feel like we should bring this up. So I recently looked at the um, the um, the stats for this podcast, and there have been somewhere in the region of it's about fifty downloads of our yesterday's enterprise episode. So um, I've decided this podcast needs more Tasha Yar. So um, this is now our Tasha Yar update section.
1: still dead uh. <laughs> I wonder if it was just a bunch of incels that that, that downloaded that episode to hear us ragging on the, the only female captain of the Enterprise getting it royally fucked up <laughs> but that's not what happens she's a hero <laughs> Rachel something or other Rachel Paris, no that's a real person she's a comedian what was her name? What, who? Rachel, what was the name of the captain of the Enterprise-C?
0: Oh, God, Rachel... S- oh, God, they, they had a statue to her in Picard season. Oh, well, for three. a bit. And then yeah. some incels got to it. Somebody, Jesus, somebody
1: Doctor Stranged it out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to replace it with a statue of O'Brien. <laughs> oh, the Lower Decks crossover with Strange Your World is next week. In what I, I am... hope will be the crown and the jewel of an absolutely stellar season of Star Trek.
0: I, 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 I'm I, hoping, given that Jack Quaid has done an episode of Best of the Worst, I'm hoping that this is the episode that finally gets um, Mike and Rich from, to watch Strange New Worlds. Because they, I, I, they I, I get they didn't like the first episode, but really, they'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> I know they think there's too many jokes in it, but that's all the jokes have been cut out and put in the little trailers. Yeah. It's actually brilliant. It's fantastic. It's 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 amazing. Yep. Um I like that the um I like that the um Romulans in this claim right of vengeance because the ship has blown up one of their things and they're like, We're here, we're gonna kill that. Is that a rule in space? It is in Romulan <laughs> if, space. So it, if something weird kills one of your ships, the rest of your thing, the rest of your fleet are allowed to go kill that thing.
1: I think it's rule number three in what the Romulans call the sneaky bastard Romulan Codex, <laughs> which is just all the rules that they have for being sneaky bastards. All right, I've got the name of the film. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's
0: called Under the Rainbow.
1: <laughs> what a slap in the face! And
0: it's from nineteen eighty-one. And um, it's, it's it stars Chevy Chase, oh. Carrie Fisher, uh, Eve Arden and Billy Barty. I don't know Eve Arden and Billy Barty's names. I'm guessing they're playing the little people. Um, hopefully not all of them. Because um, Multiplicity was years away from from this. So I don't know if we have the technology for that. No. But... <laughs> I imagine. I, I imagine that there's a separate documentary about the film, like another comedy movie, I made about the drunken orgy that occurred when they filmed Under the Rainbow. Because again, it was the second largest gathering of midgets since the filming of Wizard of Oz. It's thrown out the M word quite a lot there,
1: Ed. <laughs> what is this? Nineteen eighty one. Is this the premiere of Under the Rainbow?
0: I don't know. I don't know what the preferred term is for. Because I've, I've heard little people, but that sounds weirdly condescending.
1: I think it is little people.
0: Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, little people. I'm sorry to little people who listened listening to this. They've um, used the wrong term. I meant no effect. They're
1: playing this at the at the at the third at the third biggest <laughs> gathering uh, of little people. They're like, do you know what we really like? That Star Trek podcast with those two idiots <laughs> who now that we've got to a point where most Star Trek episodes are at average uh, they, they just talk of they just talk about anything else because there's literally no new ideas that they could gleam from this episode um, oh, we, we see data's painting that's about it that's
0: new yeah I, and it looked nice it's better than art generated by modern AI <laughs> um, with our, if, if data does a painting does do the official people whose job it is to do paintings for around the enterprise—they so go on. They go on strike.
1: We should have had a second measure of a man, measure of two men. Where, yeah, all the all the Holodeck novelists have to go on strike, and Adam Cornover's still there. He's still he's still going on Space TikTok to keep everyone informed about the bastardry of the of the Holodeck Studios. Because I guess that because there would be because here's here's the thing, right? Like there, if you the Star Trek future is a future where it's post scarcity, so people only really do what they want, right? And we know that like Cisco's dad had a restaurant where he made real organic food. Uh, we know that people in Paris ran a restaurant because you know they, I guess they just like service. Um, I got really turned around on that. But does it? Have you seen the Bear season two? Uh. I've not seen the Bear season one. Right, yeah. watch the. I've heard the, it's amazing. It, it's it's top. It it's already beaten The Last of Us as my show of the year.
0: Oof. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Okay. But in
1: the Bear season two, and I won't I won't spoil it because it's a genuinely wonderful episode. But there's an episode that basically goes into why, why do people work in the service industry? Like like what what is the drive? Um, to to do all that, and it, it really made me think. Oh, they, like that there is a love there, like there has to be a passion, and maybe this is just an industry where too many people go into it without having that passion. Um, but it made me realise. Oh, in the Star Trek future, there definitely are going to be servers because it's it's a it's a it's a sort of noble gig. I I also imagine that if you're uh,
0: being a, uh, a waiter in a post scarcity society is. Uh, is it uh, does have an extra joy of it which is you can tell people to fuck off yeah, yeah <laughs> right. and then they don't come back so i don't fantastic. yeah i don't need this i don't need this job nobody in this restaurant needs this job to live yeah so if you want to come in and yell and scream and complain we're going to pol- we're, not even politely we're going to ask you to leave yeah uh, <laughs>
1: the, what the point i was going to get at is that there's still like we we know that movies don't really exist anymore because uh, I, I think an enterprise like one of the, I think it's trip is like a big fan of of old timey movies, which at that point is all movies. Um, and so, so we have obviously moved on to holodeck kind of narrative creation, but there would I imagine there would still be like a studio system because there is. I I've not seen it. I just am aware that there, that there is one. There is an episode of Voyager that deals with the problem of. Intellectual property ownership in the post-scarcity age. <laughs> so, like Disney still probably owns quite a lot of the. You can, I no doubt, you can use Mickey Mouse and Superman and Batman and all that shit and all the things that we know that'll be well out of copyright. But there's probably still quite a lot of stuff owned by the Disney Corporation who undoubtedly still exist in the Star Trek future.
0: Uh, there, there are two options in Star in. For, for how Disney is in the future, which is, one, the minute money stopped existing, all the executives just left. Yeah. And then people who were actually, like, passionate about creating art just moved into those positions in the structure and just was like, oh, yeah, you can use... And didn't have to use money anymore. It's like, oh, yeah, you can use that stage to make that. Ah, uh, see, That
1: sounds this is the thing. <laughs> I don't know about that because having also just finished Succession, uh which yeah. is about people who are so rich that money may as well not exist for them. Um, yeah. so all they crave is power. If power and status becomes the only currency, those psychopaths are absolutely gonna do everything that they can to keep that in check. And so there's there is still gonna probably gonna be a studio system, there probably still are writer's strikes in the twenty fourth century.
0: Here's the thing, though, because it would be a studio. If if money wasn't the thing, the power and prestige of like Disney, for example, would be in by the quality of their work. Yeah, and therefore you've then got like even if the executives remain, they'd be very differently motivated. So you'd probably not get, you know, it's like no rush. We just want you to make the best. Movie. Like if Disney only released one movie every four years, but it was the best. Movie, yeah. <laughs> People would be, or the alternative is the minute humans invented a post scarcity society, Disney Disney left then, like Disney went, well, we own these planets and we're keeping money. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right? you, you have. To, yeah, exactly. Planet Disney. Yeah, it'll be called Walt Disney World. It'll be a planet shaped like Epcot. Well, this is the thing. If we work this out
0: right, the Earth is where we know Earth is in the in the in the galaxy, and um, we know that there's that um, uh, we know where Bajor is roughly it's like it's up towards the edge or edge of the quadrant because it's where the wormhole is that takes you right into the middle of the other quadrant As far away I don't think we ever see much stuff that like is further out from the centre of the galaxy I think basically all of Star Trek went no all the stuff seems to be over there that's where we're going to go and I reckon the rest of the spiral arm if you go the other way from Earth is just all owned by Disney yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Because, because I guess, because we we obviously like like the, the holodeck is like there's a narrative purpose for the holodeck. It's so that they don't have to keep going to planets to have cool adventures. Um, yeah. But the thing about the holodeck is, we sort of imagine the holodeck is almost being ubiquitous, ubiquitously available for our characters when they have a bit of spare time. They can go to the holodeck. But we also know that there are holodeck suites on. Deep Space Nine in Quark's bar. So presumably there is only a limited number of people who can go into a holodeck. It's unlikely that you're gonna have a holodeck in your house, right? Because it probably takes quite a lot of power, which yeah. I, I, uh, Picard sort of touched on that, like how like how there's power specifically for the holodeck, it's on a different system because it takes so much power, but also it, it's a place to go and congregate if everything's fucked. Um, but, uh, so there's probably like neighborhood holodecks and if all media and entertainment is coming out in holodeck form for you to go and experience it, there probably still are release dates. So Disney probably are still working to a schedule. Avengers 27 is probably still... (laughs) Coming out, and you know people standing in the middle of the battlefield, looking at Captain America, going, "Oh, what's going to happen now?" Oh, he's getting a little radio message on your left. Oh, this is fun, and they're just standing there in the middle of the battlefield, just chewing away on their popcorn, probably wearing three D glasses for the nostalgia. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start editing 24th century observers into movies, and just pretending that they're watching it on a holiday.
0: I would figure that. Here's the thing, though. I would figure that film. Still, because ex- the thing is, the idea is that oh, holodecks have replaced like are the main form of entertainment. But as far as I can see, the holodeck replaces the, the like the PlayStation. Yeah, it doesn't replace. And I have I I have a PlayStation, but I still go see films. The different
1: Christopher Nolan's probably still keeping IMAX film format alive.
0: Yeah, there's still that one cinema in LA that Tarantino owns, still showing stuff on film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People are being like. Like we don't even make this anymore. We have to blow up a meteorite to get this, this yeah. the material to make this. And he's like, No nope.
1: <laughs> Must be that way. What we showing? men in black 2 Really was that worth it? <laughs> yeah, but it's on thirty five. Oh that, that, that is cool. <laughs> no, you're right. Prince Charles cinema's probably still going. They'll probably still get the sign up that says no, we're not changing the name. Um, and then the and then the 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 of birth and death of Charles,
0: <laughs> I I I wonder, um, and I, I I was thinking about this the other day is is how weird is it going to be in, like in forty years for us to have to explain to like the new generation why regularly. Um, cinemas like that show old classic movies things like The Prince Charles or like you Everyman stuff like that we're going to have to explain to you, future generations why they always show a double bill of Barbie and Oppenheimer <laughs> 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 and just go no yeah they released on the same day and what is that it it goes no it was a big cultural thing yeah. why because it's because it's silly that they came out at the same time and they were both really good. and Everybody wanted to see both of them. I am. Um,
1: I. I had a. I was hosting a, a quiz the other day. It's a big kind of event pub quiz that we do once a month, uh, and I have to write the rounds for it. And it was one that I. I had the idea the night before, and then I fucking forgot. Uh, and Laura was raging because I was gonna do. A, I was gonna do the the Barbieheimer round, uh, where there was ten questions which would alternate between questions about Barbie and the history of Barbie, and questions about the creation of the atomic bomb. <laughs> I am going.
0: I would argue sociologically that Barbie and the atomic bomb were, in many ways, the two defining inventions
1: of the latter half of the previous century. I wouldn't. I'd say there's certainly an argument to be made. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah, like if, if to,
0: to be fair, like because I saw somebody complaining, people are complaining about Barbie being woke, and it's like Barbie was an astronaut at a time. When women couldn't have their own credit cards, yeah, like Barbie's always been. Like when when Barbie said to to little girls, "You can be anything you can imagine," she was selling a beautiful lie because in the world that existed at the time, you couldn't be. And it was only the girls who were brought up on that demanding that change. I'm not saying Barbie's responsible for feminism. Like I want to be clear on that. There are actual women who need to be credited. I don't know their names but the, <laughs> I imagine there are actual women who need to be credited. But as a cultural force, Barbie has weirdly weirdly defined a large section of time. Tar- like, if you could argue that like those 50 years were either the Atomic Age or the Barbie era, and you can make a very strong argument for both. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's another episode Star Trek. <laughs> it- Gone to is the alien's name. They keep calling him Tim Man. They know his name's has too. I say he is. There. I don't know. He's not got gender. To be fair though,
1: uh, your man, the mayor, is the only one who can speak to him. Yeah. But he could tell everyone he's
0: called gone too. Yeah.
1: That's my friend, gone too. Gone to where, Riker said. Ha <laughs> And then immediately started remembering a massacre.
0: Yeah. Gone to where you should fuck off too. <laughs> Jing,
1: that's what he said in his head every single time. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love that it's Geordie's in this episode very briefly and he's like talking to Riker and he goes, yeah, I heard about that disaster. 40 people died and Riker immediately comes back, 47. Yeah. Uh, like, like, Riker is like, like I, I get that it was a big deal, but like, I live in London. I, the 7-7 bombings happened here. I don't have the exact figures of how many people died memorised or Grenfell and that was a big deal. Yeah. 9-11, no idea. I'd argue that uh, if
1: 7-7 didn't happen on a very memorable date, we wouldn't even remember it. Cause cause to be, cause like, say what you want about nine eleven, that marketing was fucking spectacular.
0: Yeah, even though it, it's, it's to the point where we all call it nine eleven, even though globally it was eleven nine. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Emma, Emma pointed out the other day. She says, "Do you think they did it because nine one one is the the emergency
1: services number in America?" I, ouch. I saw an argument on Facebook about this the other day. Yeah, uh, and it and it was and it was it was to do with the date format because someone then because it, it, it basically as always happens in these there was a bunch of Americans explaining why their date format is the most useful, um, and then everyone else in the world replying to it going no you're dumb um, your system makes no sense
0: yeah Henry the eighth isn't the eighth day of Henry. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Right, okay. That's
1: We get it. You say the 4th of July. Yeah. No, the 4th of July doesn't even count. You say July 21st. Yeah, yeah. But if, right. you, if you're American and, and you're wondering this, uh, I could come back as in, yes, well, if you have time, if you put a clock next to it as well, it means that the seconds, you go from hours, minutes, seconds. I can't remember. There was someone having this argument and everyone was pointing out, right, the hour system still makes sense in that fucking format. Because you very rare because they're like yeah, but then you'll see the day going up and it's and it's the fourth number and it maybe gets confusing and it's like no one is looking at a clock that is hours minutes seconds days months years and getting surprised when the day goes up (laughs) like what the fuck is that is that milliseconds (laughs) why is there only one every twenty (laughs) four hours
0: why does that only change once every twenty four hours coincidentally the same exact length as a day. Uh, I wonder what it could possibly make. Oh,
1: here's here's a thing that um, fuck this episode, right? It, it, it's it's fine. <laughs> Who cares? The mayor's in it, right? Whatever. Um, there's a I've discovered, and I I I mean discovered in the way that people say that Christopher Columbus discovered America, and that this was a very popular <laughs> thing already, and I happened upon it. Um, there's a video series I've been watching on YouTube called Summoning Salt. And it's a bloke who makes little mini documentaries, usually 20 to 45 minutes. And it's about the history of speedrunning games. Oh, right. And uh, if you're not aware, speedrunning games is literally finding the tricks to finish a game in the quickest possible time, right? So, like, Super Mario Brothers is probably the most famous. I think Super Mario 64 is the one... That is the 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 most right. There's the most of these done, and it's like you can finish Super Mario Brothers in five minutes if you know exactly what moves to make, you know exactly what glitches, and it gets so competitive near the end that they have to find individual frames of animation to save. So there's right. 24 frames of animation per second or, or 60 I can't remember. however it works on the on the Nintendo Entertainment System, right? And basically, this video its a 45-minute video about what's called the human limit. And essentially, you can get a computer and put in, into the computer, complete this game in the fastest time possible, right? And the computer will figure out exactly how to do it, and it will do it perfectly. And the perfect limit for a computer is something like four minutes, 56 seconds, uh, and, like, three milliseconds. And right. basically... Up to this point, over the last 10 years, human beings have managed to make it within, like, three milliseconds of the computer's time. Just just by sheer force of will. Will. And this, this video, and it's literally just a guy going, on the 18th of August, this gamer called 420 Blazer or whatever, XXX, um... <laughs> got through it this time and he discovered that if you turn left on this pixel and then immediately turn right again Mario moves faster blah 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 but it's, it's, it's so interesting when it comes to a study of the human condition of like wanting to achieve perfection that it should be a movie like it, I, I <laughs> if the Gran Turismo movie can get out there this should be there has to be a way to make this like visually exciting for people who don't understand it, but it's it's just it. People are so obsessed with trying to get it perfect because because once we figure out how to do the three milliseconds that we can't quite shave off, and we know how to do it, it's just that humans physically can't move that fast with their fingers. <laughs> but it will be like that's that's perfect. We have perfected Mario. There is no way to make it better. We we've, we've done it.
0: Yeah, it's like for example, there is a. So there, there is a the, the high score on Pac-Man, yeah, is 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 a number that cannot be beaten, yeah, because it's already a perfect game. It's, it's get every ghost every time you get a dot, get every piece of fruit. So that's it. That's it. That it, you can't beat that. There, there, there is an upper limit.
1: Sonic the Hedgehog won as well. I think if I recall right, I remember reading this back in the early 2000s, So people have probably done it now, but I remember reading in a Sega magazine back in the days when magazines were a thing that like, there is a perfect score for Sonic the Hedgehog and six, six people have got it. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is because yesterday, at about 11pm, I turned around to try to explain this to Laura and then realised what a fucking futile waste of time that would be for both of us. <laughs> I have, on
0: several occasions, um whilst going through um you know the 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 40 minute ritual every night of scrolling through all of the streaming services that i own trying to decide on something that both me and emma want to watch i have on multiple occasions tried to sell um king of kong um where i've been like look it's it it might not be about a subject that you care about but it's fascinating yeah especially because I, I, if we watch it, I get to point out to you something amazing when we've finished it, which is that Billy Mitchell cheater. is is a cheater. Yeah. Um, also, sorry, sorry. Billy Billy Mitchell is allegedly a cheater. So I've heard. Um, but he, he is not allegedly
1: very litigious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you're listening um, to this, Billy. And you know what? Good job, mate. You've done that. you done that perfectly legally. If there
0: is anyone in the world who scours the internet and, and podcast for any mention of his name, I guarantee you it's Billy Fucking Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, he was in, he was in um, Newcastle last weekend for like their games uh, games convention, and they were like they were just selling it as come meet Billy Mitchell, and it's like you know the like the famous gamer because they can't put on there. You know, who's was the king of Kong. He's famous for being a cheat. <laughs> But yeah, so I'd go down and get my picture taken with Billy Mitchell, and then I'd put it up online and go me with noted internet arsehole. Yeah,
1: because like I, I'd, I'd take like if I had the opportunity to get a selfie with Nigel Farage,
0: I'd, I'd take it. Yeah, you know? it's like the uh, it's like that uh, black police officer who's got a photo of him with David Duke. Yeah, <laughs> from back in the day. Like there are certain people out there who like, you know, they're not they're not good people, but you know. You, you, you take the opportunity.
1: Yeah, and I just I like collecting selfies of people who have the same level of bank account as I do. <laughs> that's a topical reference that's gonna age this episode.
0: I I was say, talking about like uh, summoning sort and stuff, I love going down the rabbit hole of watching like lengthy documentaries about subjects I don't think would be as lengthy as as you could. So f- for example, one of my all-time favorite videos is by H Bomber guy, yep. and it's about the guy who's responsible for the oof sound from Roblox, and how they tracked down where that sound is from. And that is the first forty minutes of the two and a half hour video. <laughs> and the uh, and I, after forty minutes of like, there, yeah, that's where the sound comes from. I just did this. It was a little light-hearted video, and then he started digging into the guy, and it turns out he has built himself. A, a moderately successful place in the world of gaming, on a on a on a tower of lies. <laughs>
1: yeah, his name's Mark not Billy a... Mitchell.
0: Just if you're listening, Billy. No, well, that's us about liar. you. He's you always he's the, tell first, the truth. The mate. first first Western man to ever work on Sonic the Hedgehog, even though. Literally, he makes claims that everyone just accepted because he just made them, and then nobody assumed you'd lie about such things. But they don't stand up to a cursory Google. Yeah, because he, um,
1: he 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 said that in the days before we could translate Japanese gaming articles. Yeah, yeah.
0: And what I what I love about him is um, in that video, there's a point where like it's like a man has claimed. Uh, it, it, H. Boba Guy's assistant said it's like the guy's given a TEDx talk. And claimed he's given a TED talk. Yeah. And their goes, No, he's done literally that. <laughs> like he claimed he's been on Cribs. Yeah. But he hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's been on Cribs twice. Of course he hasn't been on Cribs twice. Cribs with people like Tony Ork. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um oh, I have one thing to bring up about this episode. Oh, yeah? Um uh they said that he's um he's got an ESP rating of like nine or something like there's an official scale of ESP, um, I choose to believe that that is based on the groundbreaking research done in New York by Dr. Venkman. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, as we've established, that's how warp cores work. The are full of ghosts.
1: Full of ghosts. <laughs> well, technically, according to this week's episode of Strange New Worlds, that yeah. is indeed what powers the warp cores. is extra-dimensional ghosts.
0: Stealing our ideas, Mark. yeah. We're gonna have to sue the writers of Strange New Worlds. Well, we'll do this to the studio. The writers haven't got any money. No. Nah. Uh,
1: <laughs> and if David Zaslav has anything to do with it, they will have no houses soon,
0: or tr- or, or fucking shade, yeah, to stand under from the trees. Fucking absolute fucking pricks.
1: Bell end. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. I yeah, yeah just yeah. if you want to watch this one, do it. If you're on a rewatch yeah. of the whole series, skip it. Yeah, it's
0: it's, it, you, you don't really miss anything. Nah. It doesn't move anything forward. No, nah. nah. it's got some interesting ideas, but you see it's got too many interesting ideas. Yeah. Really, make the episode about sneaky Romulans, or make it about a, a, a big organic spaceship, or make it about a telepath who's too telepathic. Like, yeah, either one of those if, is a fine episode. If you
1: cut out the telepath angle and just have it literally being a space race, not only through space but also through language, because they have an hour to get there before the Romulans do and have to figure out a way to communicate with this thing. Have it that That's your episode. The, the Don't rom- need anything else.
0: Have it that the Romulans have uncloaked because then that means they get put more power into their, their warp engine, which means they can go a bit faster than the Enterprise. The Enterprise can keep up, but to do it, they're going to have to drop their shields, which means the Romulans can open fire on them. Or, you know... Yeah, proper submarine
1: that, yeah. commanders. Proper submarine Star Trek. yeah. 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 Anyway. And then fucking Troy's fucking psychic. Don't just use Troy. She's been criminally underused yeah. this season.
0: Yeah, she has. Yeah. She has. Uh I think that's gonna be rectified shortly. Think you, I yeah. think. Okay. Because the the next episode um is Hollow Pursuits. Um, and there's quite a lot of Bev and quite a lot of Troy yep. and the introduction of a new character who is one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah. Right. Bye. Bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarko'Neil and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and now on YouTube at Captain Slog, And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash CaptainSlog.